And as soon as they sit down, I'm going to um, ask for some volunteers. I need about uh, 10 or so volunteers. So if you want to volunteer, including those who just went and sat down, stand up. If you want to volunteer, come on up, come on up. Volunteers, we need volunteers, 10. I need somebody with a stopwatch, somebody with a phone with a stopwatch on it. Who's got, okay, Leanne, okay. Okay, now, this is a competition. You're competing against the group in the first service. I'm just going to mention two minutes and four seconds. That's all I'm going to say. Two minutes and four seconds. Here's the deal. These are broken bricks, but they do have a match. Every brick is made of two parts that are broken, obviously. You have to find the match and then build a wall. So every one of these has a match. You have to find the match, put them together, and then use the bricks that are then put together to build a wall. Any questions? Three, two, one, go. You're the winners. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so for your prizes, go see Jamie McKnight and Kelsey. They're giving away gift cards. You just got to go with what you got, you know? Okay. Today we're going to talk about discipleship, and we cannot talk about discipleship without referencing our starting point. If you're going to go on a journey, you've got to know where your starting point is. And every one of us has a starting point of being like one of these pieces of brick. We're broken. We're broken because of the sin of Adam and Eve. We're broken because of the sin of the billions upon billions of people that have followed Adam and Eve right up to our own selves our immediate friends, family, ourselves. Sin is a reality, and the reality of sin is that it breaks us. The lie that the enemy tries to tell us is that if we'll sin, we'll be whole. We sin, we'll be better. But the reality is when we sin, it breaks us. And so we are all broken. But aren't you thankful for Christ, who hung on the cross and paid the price with his powerful, pure, precious blood so that we can be mended, healed, and brought back together again. 
It's the process of discipleship is God bringing us through salvation and he, he heals us and he forgives us and he fills us with himself, the Holy Spirit. But then there's a lifelong process of discipleship to where we are constantly learning and growing and constantly being healed and constantly becoming more and more formed into the image of Christ so that the older we get, when people see us, they see more of Christ and less of us. They see more of Christ than they could ever have before. Aristotle is accredited with saying the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. We see that in this type of situation. Every piece of this little wall is with broken pieces. But the sum is greater than its parts. Galatians chapter 4, the Holy Spirit is speaking through the Apostle Paul, and he says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And here is the game within the game, the battle within the battle, and that is that each one of us are being formed into the image of Christ and yet, as a whole, we are being formed into the image of Christ. Not only we as individuals, but we as a church body called Hope Crossings. And we as a church body called the body of Christ all over our region and, of course, all over the world. And so that is discipleship, taking the broken pieces, bringing healing, bringing it together, and forming the image of Christ that word formed in that verse means until a mind and life in complete harmony with the mind and life of Christ has been formed. Until that happens. And that's a lifelong process, isn't it? Thank God for the day of, cal uh, of salvation and conversion when we're born again and brought into the kingdom of God. But thank God also for every day of discipleship which we are being brought more into the image of Christ than ever before. But how does this really happen when we are in the process of discipleship, which the Bible uses the word Christian only a few times, and the disciple many, many times. And so a disciple is someone who is being formed. I'm not going to say a Christian is somebody who's formed and he's like perfect or she's perfect. Of course not. But the word in the New Testament, Christian, is only used a very few amount of times, but disciple continuously. And that's what we are as disciples, and we will always be disciples. So what are we being discipled for? What is it that we are discovering? Number one, who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Is, is he the Jesus that is portrayed in movies or on the television or in songs? Is he the Jesus that is portrayed uh, among just those who, can we just say, don't even know him, but have an idea about him? Maybe they were raised in a, in a home where Christ was talked about, but yet not followed. Is that who Christ is? As Christians and disciples of Christ, we are learning who is Jesus. Is he the God of the Bible? Is he over nature? Is he over our lives? Who is Jesus? But the second thing that we're learning is who are we? Who is the church? Who are we corporately as the body of Christ? And thirdly, we're learning, who am I 
in this thing called the church or the body of Christ. And so what disciples are doing, they're learning who is Jesus, who are we together, but then who am I? Where am I in the body? What are my gifts? What are my talents? What are my abilities? What are my weaknesses? What do I need to grow in? What do I need to give to others? We're learning who am I. But we discover these things in three different ways. Number one is simultaneously. We discover who is Christ, who are we, and who am I simultaneously. It doesn't just go this one and then that one and then that one. But we learn all three of those simultaneously. Now, let's just get real for a moment. How many of you do not do puzzles? You're like, no way. I'm allergic to puzzles. Amen. How many of you, I'm assuming the rest of you are like, we're cool with puzzles, right? Some of you are like, eh, I think it's a trick question. I'm not going to answer. <laughs> we don't have a puzzle, but we just put a puzzle together. We don't have another one. A puzzle. How do you put a puzzle together? You imagine getting your table out there. You got your table out there. You got your box. You got the box open. You dump all the parts out there, and you go, okay, I'm going to put this, I'm gonna put this puzzle together. It's a thousand pieces, you know. And you grab a handful, and you pick them up, and you go, okay, my job is to put those pieces where they're supposed to go. How long is that going to take? You don't do a puzzle that way. You do a puzzle simultaneously. Generally, you got to put the picture right in front of you, and then you got to get the border, right? That's usually where people start. And then you say, well, in the picture, the trees are all up over here. They're all green, so I'm going to put all the green pieces up in one corner, right? Then the truck is red. It's kind of over here. I'm going to put the, all the red pieces over here. I don't know where they go, but the red pieces are going to go here, and then the, the, the blue water for the creek, that's all going to go down, and you just start putting it together simultaneously. That's how we grow as disciples. We learn a bit here and a bit there and a touch there and a touch there, and we learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and all this comes together simultaneously. But secondly, we do it systematically. How many of you would, would say, um, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this to puzzle together whenever it's convenient. You know what they call those people? Non-puzzle people. <laughs> they, you don't build a puzzle that way. You don't do it. You say, well, I'll just, I'll just do it when it's convenient. Well, we're busy. We're on our phones all the time. We're busy. It was a joke. Systematically, you say, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend 10 minutes a day putting the puzzle together. You're going to put that puzzle together. Now, it's going to take you a while, but you're going to do it. It's going to happen. Or you might say, you know, I'm going to spend an hour a week. Or you might say, I'm going to spend 30 minutes three times a week. Whatever. But if you... Do it systematically, you'll eventually put that puzzle together and you'll be able to go, I'm a puzzle builder or whatever they call puzzle people. You'll be able to say, I did it. And you'll call your friends or your mom, your dad, whoever said, I did it, it's done. Put the last piece in today because you did it systematically and in the same way, we grow as disciples in Christ, learning who is Christ, who are we, and who am I. We do it systematically. It is the best way to learn. That's why you send your kids to school. Right? There are a lot of educators here. That's why you're like, we're going to learn this math, and then we're going to progress to that math, and then we're going to progress to that math, and then we're eventually going to get to the math that you'll never use. 
I'm not going to name any names. Okay? So we do it systematically. And that's why we're making some changes in our discipleship ministry because we're wanting to be more systematic. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But thirdly, we discover these things submissively. We yield ourselves to the process instead of saying, I'm going to be a disciple my way. Christ is saying, actually, it's my way. Christ gives us that recipe, if you will, for discipleship. Sure, there's variations with everyone and in cultures and all of that. But we've got to learn simultaneously and systematically and submissively. Because we come to Christ and we go, God, I'm submitting myself to you. I recognize that I have come before you broken. I'm in pieces. I'm not together. Sin has ruined me. The sin of Adam and Eve straight down through my very own, it has ruined me. And Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to put me together. And Lord, thank you that you saved me. Thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I've got eternity before me. I'm going to be in heaven one day. Hallelujah. But, oh, God, I still need help with my life being put together. I still need help with this issue or that issue. I don't do that well, and I really need to, God, and I do that, like, terribly, and I need to stop. And we got all those things. We learn this, and we grow because we're broken and God is saying, it is my design and my path and my plan to put you together and cause you to be strong and mighty. If you have your Bibles open there to where we were just at, I want to focus in on verse number five. Here the Holy Spirit is telling the Apostle Peter about what we're to be as disciples of Christ. What God's plan is for our lives. In verse number, verse number five, he says, we're being built into a spiritual house. The word spiritual means approved by God, resulting from the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that house means a dwelling place of God. We are a dwelling place for God. We are that spiritual house. That's what we're being formed into. And it's both individual and community. You are the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. The Holy Spirit does not live in a building like what we're in today or any big church museum or monument anywhere in the world. That's not where God has chosen to dwell and live. He says, I'm living in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we are being formed into a spiritual house, both individually and also in community as the church. When you squeeze a grape, what comes out? It's not a trick question. The juice of the grape, whatever's inside, comes out. And the same, every person on the planet gets squeezed. Life has a way of just putting that pressure on us. And what comes out? Whatever's on the inside. When we're squeezed and what comes out isn't pretty, and we're like, oh, man, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I had that attitude. I can't believe I criticized that person like that. We've got to say, okay, God, I, 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 need to, I need to just submit myself to you once again and say, God, form Christ in me. I've still got work to do. And every one of us gets squeezed like that. Aren't you thankful that as we grow and we're 
disciples for a longer period of time and we grow and we grow and we grow and we're being formed in the image of Christ. Life still squeezes us, but then what comes out is the essence and the nature of Christ himself. You say, well, I don't want to be squeezed. Well, you're going to be squeezed. That's the reality. But the question is, what comes out? And what this community at Jackson County and beyond is looking for is a church body, somebody, somewhere, an individual or a group of people who give out the essence of Christ, the essence of the one who said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. The essence of the one who hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He was being squeezed at every point in turn, but what came out of him was his very nature, the nature of God because he was God and is God. And that's the desire for God and for our life. God's desire is, man, when this world is shooting arrows at you, you, you know exactly what to do. When this, when, this, when this world is squeezing you, just the essence of Christ is shown. And everyone sees, wow, that person responds differently. Wow, that person, now that's somebody I need to get around because that person knows Christ. And that's why he takes these broken pieces and he says, I'm going to put you back together. And I'm going to mold you and shape you. And you're going to become more like Christ. The second thing that he says there in verse number five is that we're to be a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. Now what is a, what is a priest? A priest is someone who stands with people as they bring their lives before God and someone who stands before God to love and worship and to praise. You'll skip down there to verse number nine. There's a, just a wonderful verse about who we are as the body of Christ, who we are as individuals. He says, but you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God says, you are my priest. You don't have to go to a seminary. He says, I made you my dwelling place, and you are a priest before God, one who stands before God, one who brings sacrifice to God, one who brings praise to God, and one who grabs someone else and says, come on, I've got somebody I want you to meet. His name is Jesus. And that's who we are as the body of Christ. That is that process of discipleship within our lives. The third thing that happens in verse Number five is that we offer those sacrifices which are acceptable to God. Now we know that we no longer have to offer, you know, bulls and rams and doves and goats and all of that stuff because that, that sin problem's already been paid for. Christ hung on the cross to fix all of our brokenness. So what is the, the offering that he's talking about? What is this sacrifice and acceptable to God? What is he talking about? The Bible talks about a couple. Number one is the sacrifice of praise. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. We offer up that sacrifice of praise. We do that every morning. We do that every Sunday morning. We start off our worship service with praise for a reason. Because we come together singing and saying the same things. And it's cool that it's to music, right? 
We love to just come before God in praise, and we're offering up our praise, and we're saying, God, I'm here before you in this place that is dedicated to you, and I'm offering up a sacrifice of praise. There's some stuff in my life that's still broken, but I'm here to praise you. My wife and my marriage, my husband, my children, nobody's perfect. We have problems, but I'm here to sacrifice praise to you and honor you because you are God above all gods and Lord above all lords. My finances are not what I want them to be, maybe not even what they should be, but I'm here to praise you. God, my work, you can just name them on and on and on, but we come before God and we say, God, you never change. You are faithful, and I praise you. We honor him by saying you've been faithful my whole life. You were faithful before I showed up. You'll be faithful after I'm in the grave. God, you are faithful. You are faithful, and I praise you and honor you. We offer up that sacrifice of praise. You mean, you mean when I don't feel like it, I need to praise God anyway? Uh, yeah, because we've all, we're all that way some ways, sometimes. Now, of course, when you become a pastor, you never fight with your wife on the way to church. Lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, sometimes you're just going like, I don't feel it, but I'm going to praise God. And we just offer up that sacrifice of praise. Say something, God knows. Just like when you give a gift card to a guy helping you park, God knows, God sees. And when we come before him and say, God, whatever's happening in my life, you are worthy of my praise. And we glorify God individually, as individual bricks, and as a church body God says, I see that. But the second thing we offer is a sacrifice of peace. There are 44 times in the Old Testament that there's a reference there to an offering, and it's called a fellowship offering. There's tithes and free will offerings and, and special offerings, and then there's what's called a fellowship offering. And I looked that up, and it, another name for it is peace offering. And they would, they would bring a, a specific offering as a fellowship offering or a peace offering. And I was like, well, how does that relate with us today? A peace offering, the body of Christ. How does that relate? And I thought it's so easy. That's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. What, what is it that ruins the peace in a family? Unforgiveness. What is it that ruins peace in a church? It's unforgiveness. But what is it that builds up peace? Forgiveness. When we forgive and we acknowledge that we've been forgiven, and when we also acknowledge that that person, God's forgiven them, even though they've got a few rough edges and even though there's some cracks showing and even though the, the parts haven't quite lined up exactly right, God's forgiven them, and therefore how, who am I to hold anything against them? And we offer up a peace offering. But God, I don't feel like forgiving. Join the club. You know? Yeah, but God, they hurt. They hurt me. They hurt my family. They hurt my kids. Man, don't mess with people's kids, right? That's touchy. But Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to offer up this peace offering, this forgiveness. And Lord, I'm honoring you by forgiving. And what does that do? It either brings peace or it maintains peace in the body of Christ. That's what we're called to do. As God is mending us together and pulling us together, we recognize that he's doing the same thing in everyone's life. In everyone's life. So can one broken brick judge another broken brick? God, thank you. 
Thank you for how you're mending us and pulling us together. Perhaps you're here today and you're saying, man, I, what you're saying sounds great. What you're saying, I, I resonate with it, Why, but I've never experienced that. You may look at your own life and you go, man, I'm, I'm before this. I'm scattered. I got the pieces over here and pieces there, and it just seems like nothing is jiving in my life. Nothing's coming together in my life. I would submit to you the, the obvious, and that is because Christ is not in your life. But when Christ is in a person's life, all of a sudden they, there's a unity, there's a, there's a uniting of not only who you are, but God's purpose working in your life. And just as my sin was wrecking my life, your sin has wrecked your life, but God is the one that puts it back together again. And he doesn't say, get your act together and then I'll help you. No, he says, I'll help you and I will put the pieces together and I will mend your life. And that's what the offer of salvation is all about. Is that when we say, God, I'm just broken and I can't fix it. I don't know how to mend this. Lord, would you please forgive me and just, just come and take my brokenness and put it back together. And God says, I, I, I love to do that. I long to do that. And I'm starting today to do that. And God will do that for anybody, anyone, anywhere, anytime who says, God, please help me. God is right on the scene in that moment to say, here we go. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or how long, you, how long you've been broken. Maybe you're a 10-year-old in here. Maybe you're a 20-year-old in here. Maybe you're an 80-year-old in here. It doesn't matter how long you've been broken. God knows how to put you back together again. And he does that through Christ and the sacrifice that Christ did on the cross. That's the joy of salvation. And then once that happens, man, then it's like, here, let the horses go, man, because now it's toward discipleship. Now it's, we've been put back together, we've been fixed, we, God's really helping us. Now we're being discipled into learning, okay, who is Jesus? He has forgiven me and he's brought me together, but who is he? I want to learn more about this one who loves me, even while I didn't love him. Even when I had no concern for him at all, he loved me by dying on the cross for me. Who is Jesus. And who is this church? Who is this body of Christ? What is this all about? And who am I? Who am I in this wall, in this church? Who am I in this body? That's discipleship. And we're hitting discipleship with a, with a well, we're just getting better at it at Hope Crossings. We're moving our children and, and youth to Wednesday night, starting in just a couple of weeks. We're moving them to Wednesday night, and God, this is going to be discipleship. We're going to have fun. It's going to be great, but it's discipleship. Don't, you don't want your children to be late. Amen. Okay? Because it's going to be amazing. Now, in, in August, after school starts back, the adults are going to be in here too, and we're going to start Bible study. This is not going to be, you know, uh, bring your Twinkies and we're going to sing Kumbaya. We're going to study the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with Twinkies. We're going to study God's Word and we're going to learn and grow. Who is Christ? Who are we? And who am I? Okay? We're going to study. God, I want to be just formed more and more into the image of Christ. So that's going to start in August. The, the adults are going to be in here. Discipleship is a way of life for the believer. Every one of us 
starts broken, but God heals every one of us that come to him and say, God, please heal me. And then he says, you know, I brought you back together, but man, I've still got more for you. I've still, I just want to continually, continually, continually cause you to become what I've always destined for you to be. Now, perhaps you stopped the process along the way. Perhaps you'd say, yeah, man, I, I was really into it for a while, and I was really studying my Bible, I was really going to church, but I kind of got off it for a little while, and so God's probably really upset with me, and eh, he's, he's probably not, not going to help me because I kind of stopped the process for a moment. It's kind of like a diet. You just got to start back again. Can the skinny guy mention that? Is that okay? Okay, it's like exercise. It's kind of like jogging. Lifting weights? I don't apply to the diet or the lifting weights. I don't apply to either one of those. But you get the illustration, right? You say, well, I, I got off. I just need to get back on. And what better day than today? What better way, day and process and time and place than right now at Hope Crossings to say, God, I'm in. I'm in. We're going to live it simultaneously. The puzzle, piece upon piece upon piece, the puzzle is going to be put together. But it's going to be systematically. Not going to just go, hey, it'll happen. Hey, it'll happen sometime, some way. No, systematically. But then also submissively. It's okay, and I'm submitting to your process, God. I'm submitting to your ways. And God, thank you that you're going to work in my life and through my life, and it's going to be amazing. Because the disciple is that one who says... You know, Jesus said, if you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Jesus said, you'll speak to the mountain and it'll move. Jesus said, if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, that's what we're going to learn. And that's what we're, who we're being formed into his image, into Christ. Let's pray for a moment, okay?